Hello and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore. I am excited to be with you again this week. And friends and listeners, I am flying, well, not quite solo, but I am without my co-hosts, Scott and Bailey. Scott is out of the country. Bailey is working. However, fear not, it's not just me. I do have an excellent co-host this week, Alyssa Fisher from Sally's List. Hello, Alyssa. Hello, how are you? I'm well. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm always happy to be here. It's like a surprisingly lovely Friday afternoon. It's warm, but still cool. I'm not even sure how to dress. I feel like I have to wear a sweatshirt for two hours, switch to a tee, and then in the evening, switch back. Layering. You got to layer. That's why we make layers. That's a good thought. I hadn't, I guess I hadn't considered that. The magic of season layering. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, it's been a relatively quiet week in Oklahoma politics particularly for the legislature and things that we typically discuss on the show. Um, and I suspect that is because we are post special session and we are just prior to the bill filing uh, deadline, which will be fast and furious. That's in, I think maybe next week. Um, it's usually mid mid December. Yeah. Something like that. Like the 15th or 16th. Maybe. Yeah. So we'll have, that's always a fun episode as we sort through everything's been filed and listeners, I'm going to say it now. We'll say it again on that episode. Do not despair at the, the myriad of horror that is filed. Uh, that's what happens, right? So for a lot of people, the headline they want is that they filed this bill and they know when they file it, it won't go anywhere. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's for show. To make them feel better about themselves. Yeah, really. Some of them. Nathan Dom does this year round. He doesn't. <laughs> it's not, he doesn't care. It's not just a holiday occasion for him. It's a, it's a year round affair. I appreciate his uh, commitment to that. Yeah. <laughs> we um uh, really this week there you know it's kind of the same old same old right the the governor and the AG are suing the Biden administration about vaccines. They've previously tried to stand up to the administration and. Um, specifically, as we discussed, uh, maybe in our last episode with the National Guard, the Department of Defense came back and said, nah, bro, you can't do that. They've got to be. It's not how this- yeah, right. That's not how this works. You've got to do it. So they're going to take them to court where they will likely lose. Embarrassing. <laughs> it is embarrassing. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but I maybe uh, real quick, Alyssa, I'm going to just rattle off a few headlines or things that people should pay attention to. And then let's talk about Sally's List and your new ambassador program that, that you all are watching. So I, I know we've talked about redistricting a lot, uh, listeners, and, and while the state and congressional redistricting for now is over, if you haven't already read the article on Oklahoma Watch by Keaton Ross uh, about prison gerrymandering you definitely should i will link to it in the show notes Uh, the title is they don't vote but they do count how the incarcerated skew political representation in oklahoma and it is outstanding it is an excellent piece of journalism and i i told keaton i i tweeted him or emailed him or something but said this is one of the best pieces on prison gerrymandering i've read and i've read a lot because it gives very tangible real world examples not just in like state and federal politics which is what gets the headlines but in local elections right and how cities represent themselves and how 
city council members um, represent pieces of their constituency. And the fact that when you think about not just the population of a district, but the voting age population, suddenly uh, this makes a much larger difference. And so he also gives a lot of historical examples. So that's a big one. Be sure to read that. Uh, and then I think the uh, maybe on a, a more fun note, if you are uh, a viewer of Tiger King, Alyssa, did you watch Tiger King? You know, I got through a couple episodes, but then it just made me feel very sad for these very sad people. It's like I wanted to find humor or joy, but it just made me feel bad for them and the tigers. Yeah, <laughs> well, for sure the tigers. It, it, there, there was a conflict of emotion. I will, I will agree with you on that. And apparently there's a second season, which I have an issue with sequels anyway. Yeah. Oof. But Tiger King 2 is out on Netflix, I think, this month. And Trey Savage interviewed uh, Joe Exotic several years ago when he was running for governor. And Trace went back and found that interview. Both the, He did a transcript and he has the audio file of it. Uh, well, the audio <laughs> file is only like 83 seconds. And he describes it as... You can read the transcript of this interview below, or you can listen to the 83-second recording if you want to hear what a human Pall Mall sounds like, which, of course, is a reference to Pall Mall cigarettes, which is that's a pretty strong editorial comment from Trace. Uh, but it is interesting, and he links to a bunch of stuff from before that I think is somewhat interesting. So if you are a, a big fan of Tiger King, you want to do a deep dive, I will link to that in the show notes as well. Other than that, um, I think the big news this week has been at the federal level. You know, there's been several comments from Representative Bice that have been in the news, uh, Congresswoman Bice, excuse me, and uh, some comments from Senator Lankford regarding the Supreme Court uh, hearing or case that would effectively overturn Roe versus Wade. Now, they haven't ruled yet, and I... Um, reached out to several attorneys about coming on the show today and they all were somewhat hesitant because there's a lot to unpack. Um, I personally opted to be off of Twitter on Wednesday because I didn't want to have all of the uh, couch legal scholars chiming in. And I just, I just couldn't even, isn't that, a, is that still a thing? Yeah. I did the same. I was like, Nope, putting it away. Nope. Yeah. Well, uh, Let's turn to happier times, Alyssa. Tell us about <laughs> Sally's List and this new ambassador program that you all have. Right. Well, thanks for having us on. Um, I guess me on, but Sally's List is a plural, so we works. Um, thanks for having me on. Sally's List, you know, is a statewide organization that's been around since 2010. But one of my efforts since uh, joining Sally's List about five years ago or more was to really prioritize uh, including and expanding to rural areas in Oklahoma, because realistically, I know that's where so much of our population is located, and those people matter just as much as urban populations. And rural progressives are probably some of the most isolated communities, I would say, in the state. I uh, grew, grew up in a relatively rural area, and I know what it felt like to feel um, really out of place or like no one else was thinking like me. But what our priority is, is to create an ambassadorship program where the applications are open now at sallyslist.org, um, where people can apply to join a community of like-minded people from around the state 
um, in rural Oklahoma and urban Oklahoma. Um, there will be stipend positions where we will ask them to work five to six hours a month and track their local politics. So I'm hoping people will track their city councils, their school boards, and even some of the ongoings of their state representatives and senators. Because I think what's really important is that we as an urban center understand what's happening in these smaller communities, local government, because that's really where we're seeing some of the more radical ideology, um, particularly radical conservative ideology rearing its head. And there are newspaper articles you know, in national outlets and local outlets all across this country talking about the concerted effort by conservatives and Republicans in particular to infiltrate uh, local governments at the school board and city council level. And I think we can see that um, even here in Oklahoma City where there's been somewhat of a shift to the right in the most recent um, city council elections. And so it's very important in my mind that these individuals on city councils and school boards understand that there are people watching and there are people who understand what they're doing and um, that we are providing members of these communities with the tools and resources to uh, create the communities they want to live in. So when you say track their, the municipal just observe. people, just go to the meetings, take notes. Go to the meetings. You know, I really, I have to shout out to Marty Pierce uh, and his wonderful OKC span Twitter. Um, he has done such an extraordinary job, you know, providing a avenue of translating local government to a larger audience um, on his on Twitter. And I think that whether or not our you know ambassadors choose to utilize a platform like Twitter, that's up to their personal preference. But um, you know, there's a lot going on in local politics that is very important to the everyday lives of people. And if you don't know what's going on or how to really understand when to find these meetings, where they're happening, how to stream them, what some of the jargon means and who these people are um, and how these policies work, you know, I think that that can be very intimidating. And so our goal is to help ease access to those spaces for people who are already living in the community. This is particularly interesting to me because of my role with um, Freedom of Information, Oklahoma. I, I, this, the large majority of the phone calls I get are from small towns and rural communities, often from sitting elected officials like current city council or town council members or someone who was on the council and just stepped off usually for some kind of conflictual reason, right? So, and when you think about a small town where everyone really does know everybody, you know, there are familial relationships where it's like someone in their, you know, their brother runs the one, uh, you know, bulldozer outfit in town and then they need this, the city needs some work done. So they hire the guy's brother and, and it's often done, you know, without proper bidding processes and those kinds of things exactly. because it's, it, it makes, the work easier and so the questions i get are like is that legal and what can i do i had i've, I've had an extended exchange with uh, a, a woman and i forget the name of the town off 
right offhand, but where she's on the council and the mayor and the rest of the council just will not give her information. Like they're starting to charge her for open records requests. And, and so she's coming at it like any citizen. And I said, I don't know of any examples that I've heard of, of an elected official being blocked from accessing the records that you need to do your job. And she's like, yeah, they just won't tell me until it's up for a vote and I'm outnumbered. So I, I just show up because I'm supposed to. And I was like, well, this is really difficult, right? So we've talked through legal options and talking to the attorney general and all of that. All that to say, I think this kind of thing is really important, right? Because it people don't know what's happening if no one's there watching. Even in towns that are small towns in an urban area like Bethany, um, there's Bethany is fascinating politics. They've had some real questions about budget stuff. They've got a new mayor, a number of new city council members, urban chickens. I mean, literally everything that like affects people's day-to-day lives is a big deal. And uh, my sister lives in Bethany and has just really started paying attention recently. And she's like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. And once she started watching the meetings or going, she realized how much of it affects her day-to-day life and her participation in the community in ways that she hadn't really identified before. And so this is a, a really big deal. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I think it's really important that whether it be um, through a public avenue, like a nonprofit or, you know, through schools or whatever we decide to do as a state or as communities, that we reemphasize the importance of civics and understanding how our most intimate civics work. And those are the civic operations and institutions that impact our daily lives, like you're talking about with local chickens or trash collection or water or whatever, you know, there are so many different parts of the mechanisms of our daily life that operate without us ever having to think about it. But it is important that we do stop every now and then, reflect on how these things are operating and start asking questions about who is making the decisions on how this operates. And is that equitable? Is that the way I want them to operate? And if not, what can I do to change that? And so that's really what this program is aimed towards is, you know, empowering people to build time in their schedule because it is, they will be paid for their work because I think it's very important that people are paid for what they're doing, especially if it's something like this that is making such an important impact in their community and their own lives and makes my job easier. I mean, I don't have time to track all of these rural communities. Like I have enough to do, you know what I mean? So it's uh, important that we, you know, share our skills and resources and opportunities horizontally, I think, and make it accessible for everyday people to um, make time to prioritize learning about what's going on in their communities and reporting on that to us and hopefully to their community at large. So that, I guess that's my next question is, So you identify someone in a small town, I don't know, we'll say Prague, right? So you've got someone in Prague who's super interested in, and this ambassador program would basically pay them a monthly stipend to attend local meetings, right? City council, school board, what is it? And then they, are they required or just encouraged to like report back to Sally's list or are they encouraged to share it themselves? So there will be required monthly meetings, um, one meeting to two meetings per month, depending on what everyone's schedules are. You know, as I mentioned prior to beginning this recording, this is 
our first launch of this kind of program. So it's very much in its beta, um, beta uh, setting. So uh, right now we're sort of between one to two meetings per month um, that would be about an hour long, each of them. So realistically, the time requirement would be between five to six hours a month, but that is also open to, you know, obviously taking on more hours if someone has time or interest. Um, but yeah, they'll report back to Sally's list and, you know, share what we're observing as a group, you know, because I think it's really important that we also, by bringing people together, um, it will be a group meeting is what I mean to say. A, a meeting with you all, right? Yes, us as a collective, with all the ambassadors and Shalonda Harrison and I um, at Sally's List. Because I think it's also important we start recognizing trends. Because in my mind, it would be very naive to assume that this isn't a, there isn't a concerted effort to make changes um, across the state. Um, by various parties of special interests or political interests. And so it's really important if we want to get in front of these kinds of efforts, particularly in my mind, I'm thinking about mask mandates or issues related to trans students. Um, it's really important that we get ahead of these and we start recognizing where things are popping up and who's talking about them and why. Um, so yeah, I would say it's not an enormous commitment, but there will be some serious work required. And uh, there will be a welcome weekend where we'll bring you to Oklahoma City. We'll get to meet with some cool people, have some cool, really cool places to eat. It'll be fun. And there are speakers, not to mention all the good stuff. I was saying all the work, but yeah, there's going to be events throughout the year where we'll bring in speakers from around the nation to um, interact directly with the ambassadors and sort of train them and speak to them on things that we think are valuable and important to this sort of conversation around um, increasing the vitality of rural civics. Interesting. Well, this, this sounds really interesting. I'm not aware of any programs that are like this, certainly not in Oklahoma. Um, I'm, I assume you guys well, I don't know if I assume you got the idea from somewhere else, but it's a great idea. And uh, <laughs> Alyssa's like, no, I made up this. This is my idea. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> but yeah. Was... Well, even better. Good. This means we can be a model for other states. Um, I have some contacts in Missouri who might be interested in this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, when I say it's a beta, I'm like, it is a B-E-T-A beta. <laughs> nice. We, uh, well, that's exciting. If someone... Let's say, like, you know, I know some uh, women in, like, the Enid area who I think would be great at this. Um, right. I don't know if they listen to this podcast or if they follow <laughs> Sally's list. They might. But if they don't, what should I, can I apply for them so you contact them or should I encourage them to apply? You know, I would encourage them to apply. You can just go to www.sallyslist.org and there should be a little button at the very top of the screen um, that says Ambassador Program and click on that and it will take you to the first step of the application where you will collect all of your basic information and then you will receive um, an email that will sort of spell out the next step of the application, which is a little bit more detailed form. And then you can expect an email or phone call from us um, after December 8th. Nice. Any requirements or prohibitions on who can apply? Nope. It is open to all people. Um, you know, there's no 
age expectation. There's no, you know, previous experience expectation. Obviously, a little bit of an idea of what you're doing, you know, related to um, collecting data or tracking meetings or something might be helpful. But I think it's really important to note that those kinds of skills are, you know, present in all the different kinds of um, places and opportunities. And whether you be working in the service industry or a professional in some other capacity, uh, this is a position I think at, so far as the ambassador program goes, I think it's a position that could be filled by anybody. Fascinating. I, I mean, I, it is difficult, I think, for some people, and maybe it's easier in rural areas, but, you know, I know in Oklahoma City, the city council meets during the day. Like, I cannot get to a city council meeting at the I time know. they start. They start at nine, and I can't, I have to drop my daughter off at daycare at nine, and so I can't be there till 9.30. Same with the Board of County Commissioners. Uh, and so, exactly. and, I, and I get that because, you know, the city has, well, they're not full-time. They, mm -hmm. they also have jobs um, and, but there's a lot involved in representing your community and you're also interfacing with all of the other city, county staff who are regular nine to five or eight to five right. employees. And so there's a, there's a trade-off that has to be made, right? You got to, no one can make it to every meeting. In most places you can stream meetings, which makes it more accessible but it is difficult. Now I know though, in a lot of smaller towns where the elected folks also have other jobs, they fre frequently do meet in the evenings after work. And so it might make it easier for some folks to participate in this program in those areas. And that's part of the flexibility of this program. You know, I think no matter what we do at Sally's List, it's been really important for me that it is adaptable um, it is sustainable and it is inclusive. So, um, or equitable, I think is an even better word. So I think that this program, no matter where someone's living, it is our hope that they will be able to, like you said, either stream it, access a recording of the meeting or attend it in person, because it is very common, as you say, in rural Oklahoma for places to meet after, you know, typical working hours, because, some people are farmers and ranchers, and by God, they are not going to waste any sunlight on a meeting that could be held indoors with lights on. So, you know, it's just sort of different culturally wherever you are in the state. And uh, we are, as I mentioned, a statewide organization, and it's a priority for us to um, reflect that in our programming and, and who, who, we're helping, um, who we're helping through our services, I should say. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm excited. I, I am already brainstorming some people to whom I can reach out. Um, and I, I would assume, well, I don't know. I, I mean, let me back up and just stop assuming things, right? That's, let's be clear. Don't assume anything. Um, <laughs> it, what if you have multiple people from the same town, right? Look, you get right. three applicants from Bethany. Do you need three people in Bethany? Or would you still entertain the idea and kind of assign them to different beats, if you will. Right. So our goal really from the get-go has been to identify five places where there are two applicants per place so that we can pair people up. Because let's, I mean, let's be realistic. As you mentioned, you have to take your daughter to preschool in the morning. Life happens and it would be absurd, I think, to expect someone to be able to do all of this by themselves, even though they're being stipend, even though this, it's like, 
we are living in a pandemic, ongoing pandemic. I, we need some flexibility in our programming. So that also means um, we're trying to team people up um, for multiple reasons besides just sharing the workload. Um, also because this is about community building and there's a potential that you could meet someone and work with someone you've never met before in your community who is just as passionate, who is just as dedicated and maybe you've just never crossed paths with this person. So uh, if you have multiple people in a single location or you're like, oh, all these people have already applied, well, go ahead and apply. You know, we're um, going through the applications and we're probably going to extend the deadline, wink, wink. So make sure you're paying attention to the Sally's List social media and we'll keep you updated on that. But uh, it's a really exciting time to be working with Sally's List. And, you know, as we enter into this upcoming election cycle, both in February and in November of 2022, holy cow, 2022, oh, that's going to be a tough one. Um, it's really important that we are mobilizing and activating as many people as we can and um, keeping an eye on this stuff going on around us. So, You are someone who probably knows better than most how many elections we have next year. You mentioned February is the mayoral election. Are there other city councils for Oklahoma City, the Oklahoma City mayoral election? And so February is generally one of the municipal election months right across the state. Right, right. There are different seats up across the state. It's going to be important that we're paying attention to candidates and, you know, where the money's coming from, all that stuff that we've been doing for so long, but feels like 2020 kind of burnt us out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and everything was just so intense. Yeah. 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 So next year we have um, a municipal election in February in across the state, lots of cities, um, Oklahoma City, notably the the mayor is up. Are any of the council members up? Yes, uh, Joe Beth is up. Oh, really? And I think so. Am I wrong? Maybe she's up next year. Uh, I, who knows? I have no sense of time as of these dates, but I feel like she is. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, There's a school board election. School board as well. Is that also in February? I think it is. And is is Carrie Bloomer up again? Because she won in 2016. So yeah. So Carrie's county commissioners. Yep. And I feel like Joe Beth is too. That may be the case. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. So you've got you've got municipal elections early in the year. School board is early in the year as well, isn't it? March or April or uh -huh. something like that. Like that when it's always snowing. Yeah. And then that's right. You gotta think about the weather too. Then in June will be the statewide primaries for the House and Senate, the state legislature, as well as all of the statewide elected. And as you and I discussed before we started recording, all of the all eight of the statewide offices are up for re-election, right? So that's governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general, labor commissioner, um, insurance commissioner, school superintendent, auditor. Mm -hmm. And isn't there one more? There's one more and I can't think of it. You went through all, I was like, I know that one, that one, that one, that one. Okay, school. I'm trying to think back to 2018 when all these folks got elected. Um, but anyway, a lot of, a lot of big things. There's uh, like the corporation commission has some elections this year. 
um, which is a big deal. It's going to be a big, expensive year. And uh, it's concerning, you know, it's fair that we are all burnt out uh, who have been doing this a long time. But it is it is time to mobilize and get going because, you know, the election's knocking on the door. So we got to start knocking some bills too. That's right. Yeah. So th this is an opportunity for folks to get involved, right? And if you haven't, if you've never engaged with a campaign before, um, now's a, a good, a great time, right? I, I think it's fun. I've knocked doors. I really just started knocking doors, I guess in 2018, um, and have done it for a few candidates and it's, and I like people, I like, I'm an extrovert. So it's kind of in my wheelhouse. It's still a little intimidating. I seem to always go on really cold days, like late, you know, right before the election. And, uh, so this year I'm planning to be more involved earlier. Like let's do stuff at a state fair or a county fair mm -hmm. when it's warm and you can just get out and talk to people about issues and about even candidates. And if you, if you're someone like I'm an, I'm an unaffiliated voter, I'm an independent voter. In fact, if you watched CNN yesterday or this afternoon, I was on CNN as an independent voter, which was a, a new experience on a panel. Uh, <laughs> It was real funny because they very clearly just wanted independence perspectives on on President Biden. And like the consensus was kind of like, uh, uh, he's fine. He's better than the last guy. But listen, we really need to change the system here. Like the problem is you keep asking me about red and blue. And I'm telling you that like that's part of the problem. And so she exactly. kept trying to like rework it. And the whole panel was like, but also open primaries and also ranked choice voting and i was like Yay. these are my people and we couldn't we couldn't see each other so we just had audio only during the recording and so now that i, I watched it last night and i was like well none of you look like your voices sounded but it was i started getting facebook messages from some of them who you know were like oh that was, was really fun and it was so glad we all agreed on this stuff and i was like Yay, that's so cool um, and they were all middle of the country folks right indiana kansas arkansas oklahoma so i felt like we had some commonalities there Anyway, Absolutely. I was saying, if you don't feel uh, confident or comfortable or for whatever reason, don't want to engage with a candidate campaign, first of all, meet the candidates, like take time to meet the candidates, talk to them. When you get texts or phone calls, talk to them, ask to speak to the candidate uh, and get to know them personally, because it changes the dynamic and in your investment in the race. And I think in your sense of governance in our state. But if after all of that, you still feel like, ooh, candidates, I don't want to do it. Find an issue to be involved with. There is there is stuff going on, even if that issue is voter registration and acts and turnout, right? Oklahoma has the lowest voter turnout in the country, and we have for years. Even last year, when it was higher everywhere, it was higher here, and we were still last, right? The whole country moved up and we just stayed at the bottom. And I was hoping that not, might not be the case, but it was. So if you want to be involved in that kind of stuff, please go to letsfixthis.org. Um, we are going to have some a lot of really great opportunities, including some things around like boosting turnout for the mayoral election, right? And the way you can boost turnout is one, show up yourself or vote early. Two, help others, help your neighbors, go to parts of town that have historically low voter turnout and remind them, let them know, like just say, listen, hey, I live in the city too. We should all vote. Like this is a thing we can do together. It can be fun, right? You've done this kind of stuff. 
It totally is. I mean, I am the, the neighbor on my block who always has political signs and it has really opened up a lot of great conversations with my neighbors, you know, um, they come up to me and they're like, so when's the election? Da, 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 da. And, you know, just providing even that simple beacon of like, I have a general idea of what's going on. So I put a sign in my yard, you know, <laughs> like that can be kind of an opening beacon to people who are like, I kind of want to know, I just don't really have time or it's intimidating or whatever. So yeah, I definitely made my rounds around my little neighborhood being like, hi, I know you don't know me, but it's, you know, Tuesday's important. Please go vote. Do you know where you're voting? Da, 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 da. And they're like, okay, crazy little lady, whatever. But I also feed the neighborhood cats. So they all think I'm insane. So it's fine. Well, that's fair. <laughs> um, if you'd like an extra cat, ours is elderly and ailing and we would, um, it'd be great for him to go to a happy place with someone who loves cats like you and then he's he's fine um, that comment reminds me though not about the cats but about the talking to your neighbors for several years I have contemplated just buying a bunch of signs like the cheap plastic bag signs right that say vote next Tuesday so it's just like a week in advance and then just give them out or you're given away for a donation or something. And I, over the last couple of years with the gerrymandering campaign, acquired a bunch of the sign or the, the stakes for those bag signs. This is a good reminder. I might just do it because even like my neighborhood, there's, you know, four or five streets that kind of come into the neighborhood. And my first right. thought was, Oh gosh, like people aren't going to put these in their yards necessarily, but they might. But also, I mean, like we put out signs about neighborhood meetings and, you know, uh, neighborhood garage sales yeah. and that kind of stuff. Just a few signs that say, don't forget to vote next week, particularly for elections that people don't, that are under the radar, right? This may be a good way just to remind folks. And, it is. and maybe it's a demonstration project, right? Like we distribute these signs in certain neighborhoods, we put them out and then we see if turnout goes up. If that's it, <laughs> holy moly. Like I know people say yard signs don't vote, but if the yard signs yeah. go vote, that seems reasonable. You would be changing so many years of like political consultant understanding of yard signs don't vote. That would be fantastic. But sincerely, like there are just people who don't even know. And whether it even be a sign that says register to vote by this day. I mean, people just, we firstly, we need to make same day registration a thing. That's, that's where we should start. Yes, but I, I agree. But since that's not a reality, you know, it's really important for me, at least, whenever I do interact with my neighbors, is like we're complaining about the streets or we're complaining about whatever. I'm like, are you registered to vote? Do you know? Blah, 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 blah. And thank God I actually have some very um, aware neighbors. But yeah, it's just at every opportunity, I think bringing it to your neighbors is really important and making it accessible. Voting that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's yeah. That's it. Well, okay. Well, I'm going to work on designing a New York sign, and I will hit you up when I get them printed. Um, and listeners, of course, I'll tell you as well. So stay tuned for that. All right. Well, um, Alyssa, let's uh, end a little early today. It's a nice, nice Friday, and again, it's been a quiet week. Um, listeners, I'll take this opportunity to plug another podcast uh, of which I am the host. So I guess it's self-serving, but. As many of you know, I am also the executive director of the National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers, which is a group of, of cross-partisan organizations that work on democracy reform 
like the things we've been mentioning today, we have a podcast called How to Win Friends and Save the Republic. And you can listen to it everywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, whatever. Um, How to Win Friends and Save the Republic. And today I published an, an episode with a man named John Gable, who is a fascinating individual. He grew up in rural Tennessee, Kentucky area, right on the border, and then went to you know went to school, started working in politics. He's a conservative. He worked for uh, went for uh, Trent Lott. Uh, he worked for Mitch McConnell. He worked for George H. W. Bush, like Senior Bush. Um, he worked for the RNC. And certainly these are people, all of the senators he worked for were Senate majority leaders. So these are, Howard Baker was the other one, important guys. Uh, then he moved into technology. So he was part of the original team for Microsoft Office, like back in the early 90s. Then he went to Netscape and was part of the original team for Mozilla, which has um, been a web browser and is like a, a significant impact on the development of the internet itself. Um, he, you know, founded a, a company called uh, the Covey Corporation, which did like early web-based applications. And then about 10 years ago, he started a website and a company called Allsides. And he's still there, he's still CEO. Uh, Allsides.com is the website. And they he talks in the episode about how they've evolved what they do over time. They didn't intend to be doing what they're doing now. But what they're doing is uh, presenting the news from all sides. That's hence the name, right? So if you go to allsides.com, there'll be a story and they will summarize it in a couple of paragraphs, pretty neutrally. And then they say from the left, from the right, from the center, and they present three other articles, right? So like CNN, AP, and National Review. And they have the headlines and the links and you can read those stories. But they say up front, they have this whole algorithm that's like patented for how they assess the partisan lean of a news outlet. Uh, and They've got over 800 news outlets that are scored that that they kind of aggregate on there. And so it's really interesting to see how stories are presented similarly and differently. And I think as a reader, it helps you kind of clarify where your news is coming from because you you relate to it differently knowing up front, right? If you're not someone who pays attention and knows the partisan lean, I guess we all know that like Fox leans right, but individual articles sometimes are different and they kind of score it like if it's a little bit right or a whole lot left or whatever. Anyway, it's really interesting. He's a great guy. He's very affable. Uh, it's a good conversation. So go listen to How to Win Friends and Save the Republic. Okay. Alyssa, that brings us to the end of the episode. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure. You're welcome back anytime. Thank you. It was so much fun. Well, I hope your kitty, you know, is doing well and you enjoy this beautiful weather. We've got to get outside. It's absolutely absurd that it's so warm in December. That's right. I'm going to go run fun errands to the post office right now, I think. Yay, time for stamps. That's right. Listeners, thank you for being here as well. I hope you enjoyed the weekend. Um, We will be back, I think, next week. The holidays is always tough, but we will, uh, I'm sure, record an episode at some point. Uh, and and publish it in the next week or two. We will definitely take off the week of Christmas. Just uh, heads up about that. I think everyone has plans and probably needs a break. All right. On that note, remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great week.